learning to row pretty vividly. It was the summer before my junior year of college and I had a friend who spent all four years on the varsity rowing team at the University of Wisconsin. He invited me to the boathouse for a workout. It will be fun, he said. And we spent a little time going over form and then he had me rowing, air quotes, easy 500s. There is nothing easy about a 500 meter row. I don't care who you are. I almost threw up, which is almost worse than actually throwing up because you just have to live with it. This is Gina Anderson Cohen, by the way, founder and CEO of A Sweat Life, and you are listening to We Got Goals. And 15 years later, I've learned to love rowing. I think this is often how my love story with fitness goes. I meet a new sport or discipline, realize just how hard I can push myself, and then learn how to do that sport in a reasonable and sustainable way, AKA not to the point of vomiting. And just like that, love. Now I look forward to a class that includes a rowing element and I seek out an erg for a warm up when I'm doing my own strength training routine. Erg, by the way, is the name of the machine and rower is the name of the person who uses it. Professional rowers will make sure you know that. But me hopping on an erg in 2006 is just one dot on a long timeline of the sport. The actual invention of the thing that we now use for fitness was for military use by an Athenian admiral in the fourth century. And yes, if you're wondering, I was on Wikipedia today. Thanks for asking. But the fact that the rower was introduced to make sure that the army who by the way, had to row to the battle and then fight, were trained and ready to go, makes perfect sense. Between that military use and today, Concept2, the company that you may now associate with your entire knowledge of an erg, created the first rowing machine using old bike parts in 1981. They tweaked, they perfected, and they eventually landed on the air resistance erg that you now see in most gyms. It makes that whooshing sound. Okay, so commercial indoor rowing machines or ergs were out there, but not many humans knew how to row or even what they were looking at. Enter CrossFit in the year 2000. In spite of the controversial founder, CrossFit, its televised games, its commercialization of Olympic lifting, and yes, its widespread use of the erg in thousands of affiliate locations across the globe, got millions of people to learn and try a new way to work out and those people learned how to row. Enter Deborah Strugo and Eric Von Froelich, the husband and wife team who created Row House in 2014. Their mission was to bring the sport of rowing to the masses and make it accessible. They saw the sport as accessible to all entry points into fitness, whether you're just starting out on a fitness journey or whether you're an Olympic rower looking for somewhere to practice. And to hear them tell it, they crafted their own education in studio fitness after writing down what would become Row House on a napkin. They dug into studio management and operations in a way that they hadn't when they were at Equinox. And they met there, by the way, too. And this week on the podcast, they take us through that whole journey of ideating, building, and inevitably selling their business to Exponential Fitness, the franchising brand that owns Pure Bar, Rumble, Cycle Bar, AKT, Stretch Labs, Stride, Yoga 6, and Club Pilates. And just for listening, you can get a free class at your nearest row house. Just download the row house app and click on try a class, or you can go to the link in our show notes and do the exact same thing. I can't wait for you to hear these co-founders talk through what it really took to build their brand. Here I am with Deborah Strugo and Eric Von Froelich. Gina Anderson Cohen, founder and CEO of A Sweat Life. And I am here with Deborah Strugo and Eric Von Froelich, who are the founders and husband and wife team behind Row House. Thank you so much for joining me. Great to be here. Totally our pleasure. Can't wait to talk more about it. And I know a lot of our listeners have gotten an opportunity to try Row House, but for the folks who haven't ever been on a rower and rowed together uh, in one of the many studios now that Row House has across the country, let's start with the basics. Um, what does a Row House class feel like? Well, it's certainly a wonderfully fun, upbeat studio environment. The goal in a Row House class is for people to come in, to feel welcome, to try out rowing, even if they haven't tried it before but then to feel like they're a part of a crew. 
So you will see anybody in there that is new, experienced, all people together, all levels in one class. Um, we like to say everybody has a purpose in our boat. And what it feels like is just a wonderful all-in-one workout where you just get that great cardio workout, that wonderful strength workout. You work your core, you work your posture, get great mobility from it. But at the end of it, it's all in a low-impact way. Um, so people walk out feeling better than they came in. And they all rode together as a crew to some really wonderful, upbeat music in a nice environment where everybody is welcome. And I, I love Row House class. And uh, that was, I mean, obviously, you're going to give the most incredible introduction of it because you created it. But, but before opening your first studio in 2014, where did this idea come from? What in the world made you want to create an entire class built around a rower? Well, Deb and I were in group fitness, so we were teaching a lot of modalities, cycling, uh, boot camps, and things like that. And we, were, we wanted to come up with a concept that was inclusive for the 70% of the population that wasn't participating in group fitness classes. And so we thought long and hard about what the limitations were to a lot of other programs, whether it was the intensity or the intimidation or what was holding people back from really getting into class and getting all the great benefits that you can get from studio fitness. And um, I was in the gym one day and I'm looking around and there's hundreds of treadmills and hundreds of elliptical machines and there's only two rowers. And being a longtime fitness person, I knew the benefits of rowing, uh, that pretty much anyone could do it. And uh, although most people didn't know how to do it. And so I came home and was talking to Deborah, and I'm like, if there's all these treadmills and all these elliptical machines and the best machine is rowing, there should be lots of rowing machines. What, what can we do with that? And so we started thinking about, you know, what makes for the best type of programming and, you know, what, what would, why would the rowing be more appealing to the general population than a lot of other modalities of fitness, like a seat that's wide, a seat that's low to the ground, uh, you know, full body workout, uh, just these general main main parts of rowing that are maybe not obvious initially, but as you start thinking about it, it becomes a much more comfortable setting than uh, a lot of other modalities. Yeah, so that's how we kind of got into the idea was um, we figured there was a couple of different groups out there. There were people that were certainly enjoying running, but they were getting to a place where Maybe they needed something different, um, a little less high impact, uh, and even young runners. Um, and then there are people that were maybe just trying, looking to find something new. And to Eric's point, wanted something like low to the grounds that made them feel very powerful. And that's certainly a rowing machine. Um, and spinners who, you know, were looking to change it up, maybe go a little more full body um, a little less on that little seat, you know, so there were just different knowing the market really, really well and coming from the fitness market as opposed to the rowing market. We definitely had, um, ideas of ways that we could complement other, other, uh, workout communities or introduce people from places of just, you know, getting started basically, uh, we had no interest in stealing clients or taking clients from other concepts. We, at our core, felt that the best thing is movement. And if we can make pe more people move, then, you know, that's why we're really here and that this could be introduced in such a way that it would get more sedentary people active. And we've truly seen that through the studios, that we are getting sedentary people active. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest, most special, unique things about this modality, rowing, but also the brands that we built was we really focused on how to make everyone feel welcome and truly do that uh, across the country, regardless of the condition or the level that you're coming in at, you know, also make the other people who are more experienced feel very, very motivated in that room. So that's a lot of the conversation around community and just what we had experienced in the CrossFit community and other communities in the gym, boutique fitness community, um, and even the cycling, you know, Tough Mudder world type communities, uh, marathon runner communities um, that we saw 
you know, prior to starting Row House and what helped us think, think through how to do it right for rowing. Oh, I love that. There's so many kind of avenues we could go down with, with this conversation. I think that was what was most striking for me, Deborah and Eric, the first time we chatted through sort of your your story of starting this brand was was kind of seeing this opportunity to get people moving and instead of taking from this existing pie of folks that already were moving, looking at the whole universe of people who maybe aren't uh, getting into a fitness class or go to the gym and don't know what to do um, and helping them feel more confident uh, and giving them a program that works for their lives. Yeah, I think that... Um... You know, the tagline pulled together really kind of created a, a, an awareness that this was something that all people can do and we can do it in, in cooperation with each other instead of competition with each other. And uh, it created an environment where uh, people who were less inclined to do fitness felt very welcome and the people who were former rowers or competitive athletes knew that new people were just going to enrich the experience, not take away from their experience, because the beauty of the rower is that you can put in as much intensity as you want, and it's going to constantly meet that challenge. And that doesn't take away from anyone else's experience. So it's very individualized on your what the, the fitness you bring to it is the fitness it can accommodate. Yeah. So, okay. So you had this big idea. You wanted to get more people moving. How long did it take you to go from idea to first studio in New York city? Well, they, we wrote it on paper in 2008 and, uh, one of my, one of my, um, strengths, but also can be viewed as a weakness if you don't recognize it, uh, was that I see down the road a little too far. And so we knew that we had lead time to get this idea. If it was interesting to me, there would be a, a certain amount of time it would take for people to come to that, to that awareness that this was a good modality and that the timing was right. So we wrote it up in 2008 and realized we needed studio experience, operation experience, and uh, kind of filling in some of the gaps that we didn't have from just teaching classes and, and being personal trainers and group fitness people. So we, we started working at addressing that by opening up other, other studios and other modalities that had more support and were already built out like CrossFit. And uh, we kind of sharpened our teeth and or cut our teeth on, on op- opening and operating a CrossFit studio before we launched Row House as a brand. So it took, uh, took about six years from initial concept to actually opening the doors of a studio. Wow, what foresight too, just to to understand that there were there were things you didn't know and didn't have experience in and you uh, wanted to to get your feet wet in that. That's honestly so many people, so many founders just jump in um, and then figure out pretty quickly what they don't know and, and then have to go backwards. I, I love that you kind of understood the journey first. It's true. There were, there were definitely, we knew a lot of hurdles in our minds that we would have to sort out. So um, yeah, it's true that it certainly goes back that far. And, you know, rowing has deep heritage and indoor rowing has been around for a very, very long time. But this latest iteration of, you know, rowing for the masses and what's in the market now um, we really, I think, pioneered that and revitalized it and brought it front and center. And there was a feeling out there that there needed to be another cardio that was highly adoptable um, to the population and, you know, that there would be this market need of more and more people being sedentary and this, and you know, and unhealthy. Um, so that was certainly like a white space opportunity kind of in the big business investor sort of eyes um, and something that helped us really validate where we were going. But, um, you know, the, one of the first validations as well was the team at Concept2 sending people our way because they really believed that we were the two people, we we're the husband and wife team that had what it takes to really bring rowing uh, front and center. And so, 
it's been wonderful to see the growth of the other brands over the course in course of time. And we think that people are doing great things for the sport of rowing. Um, but you know, truly that we did know to Eric's point, like that, that was going to take time creating the market and letting the market really see and understands the benefits of the all-in-one workout was something that we put a stake in the ground and we said, we're going to really start to socialize that and build and build and build. And now lucky for us, there are other people out there that are, that have also grabbed onto those messages and, you know, tried to continue to build this space, which will continue to build just hugely over the course of time. Because if you look closely at what's happening in these studios, people are making real, real, real transformations. And that was something that we knew would happen over the course of time as we found the right consumer and really honed in on who that consumer was. Um, and it's just a great thing to see. Yeah, I I, I think it, it's really one of those stories that people um, will will see as an inspiration um, for their own business, no matter um, what they want to start. Yeah, I think the, the initial hurdle was that people didn't know how to row, and so they weren't familiar with it. You know, on some level, everyone has an idea of how to ride a bike. And so cycling kind of is a natural progression for people to go maybe from outdoor cycling to indoor cycling. And people have been on treadmills and people have been on ellipticals, and they're similar, similar to hiking or walking. And so there were lots of things that had similar parallels that people could adapt the modality. And even boxing, to a certain extent, everyone's kind of throwing a punch or attempted to throw a punch. And, and, but all those things, although they were more familiar to people, had certain limitations that we felt were intimidating to a new population. And so creating that culture in the population was that initial hurdle. There were, there were certainly rowers in the world, but it was a niche community and they were extremely fit. And they're extremely passionate about it being done correctly. And so that was another, another one of those hurdles is if we could win the rowers over to our side of how we were going to create this uh, and represent their sport, the, it would be a better, uh, better adoption uh, from top down instead of just from the bottom up. So we got the bottom coming in because we had validity from the, from the rowing community. And that kind of supported building the right culture and the right uh, right experience to uh, to get the buy-in. Yeah, and I know we have a lot of questions about your, your sort of beginning because it it's so fun to talk to pioneers, folks who created something for the very first time. So it's so interesting to me to hear like what it took for you to create this niche in the market and and how you validate it. It. Uh, I'm also interested. Like, when did you two learn to row properly? Like, do you remember that day? I remember it for myself. I'm still working on it. <laughs> Eric, <laughs> what about you, Deborah? Uh, I'm still that's working. funny. Yeah, I mean that is what rowers say. They say they are always perfecting their sport. So that's where he's coming from. Yeah. Um, he has a beautiful stroke, but it, it, listen. Uh, we we learned to row well enough, um, I would say, through the CrossFit community that we we were good enough for to have authenticity. Authenticity was super, super important to us from the beginning. So um, that really came from our experience with CrossFit, I would say. Correct? Yeah, I agree. I think that um, it's, it's a generalization, but, cross, but CrossFit certainly teaches people how to weight train. And rowing's a hip hinge. It's, you know, whether you want to think yeah. of it as a push and a pull or as a, uh, a deadlift or a kettlebell swing, if you can hip hinge properly, it's an incredibly powerful, arguably the most powerful movement we have as human beings. And uh, so creating and teaching hip hinging uh, through CrossFit certainly gave us a lot of background to kind of crack the nut with rowing. There's certainly a lots of, lots of nuance and timing that goes into uh, and subtle differences that go into it, but getting this idea of pushing with your legs and pulling with your upper body uh, without getting too into the weeds, because we could spend hours and hours. <laughs> but it, it is, it's, it's to me, it's kind of I equate it to a lot of other sports. You know, you can have a beautiful golf swing on on your drive, but then your second shot can can completely go awry. So you, you are constantly working and living in the moment one stroke at a time and trying to really get that timing down. Not that it's that hard, but I think it's a mindfulness that 
there's always something to work on and always an optimization of your mechanics to try to keep keep it as uh, as good as you possibly can and that keeps it fresh for for people people who've been rowing for a long time yeah i was just going to add on to that that you know one of the things i think we really thought about always was kind of the 80 20 rule in building the brands um, around the authenticity of that movement and what i mean by that is you know it, it was very important to us to uh, move well so that ultimately people felt better right and got all of the results as opposed to um, some of the other rowing that was typical in market which was just you know really quick movements really bad posture those types of things so we we wanted that education um, on how to move properly and we wanted that focus on how to move properly but we also obviously recognized that that was why the market wasn't rowing yet so we really needed the entertainment side to be there like really needed the entertainment side to be there right so had to just balance out how do you educate and you know correct and instruct um but in a fun motivating sort of environment and how do you kind of get that adaptation quickly um for people and get clients excited in a in you know less than 10 classes, for example, how to keep shortening that curve. Um, so, you know, with that, the part of our aspiration of the brands was just seeing rowers um, who came through, you know, some of them were indoor rowers, like CrossFit rowing competition type people. And some of them were on water rowers um, who had that beautiful form that could just go after it. And making sure to, you know, appeal to those people so that when they came in, they kind of helped drive the room and they could row stroke in the front and be what everybody kind of modeled after um, and weaving them into the culture of the brands so that, you know, ultimately we were kind of fueling our community. In short, we wanted to educate, but you have to entertain first. Yep. Yep. You have to package it up. And, and when you talk about entertainment, uh, are you referencing sort of the dark lights, the platform that the instructor's on, the um, sort of the rowing to the music? Yep. Yep. All, all, of, all, yep, all of it. Yeah. And the, the enjoyment of, it, the of walking package. in and seeing a friend, you know, just all of it. And getting your data <laughs> so you feel successful and accomplished, getting your meters at the end of class and your average split and kind of understanding how to how to look at those numbers and what they mean to you and uh milestones and just kind of the whole packaging of of pulling together and creating an environment where people would want to come back and do it again yeah and before we move on because I, I i have to make myself move on or i'll just ask you questions about row house and how you got started forever um was data a part of those original new york city studios or did that kind of evolve as you grew so there's a ton of tech players in this space now um at the time there weren't so many and there weren't really ways to get the data off the machine believe it or not so yeah. um we had to work very very closely with some of the tech vendors we had to beg concept two to open it up for us um we got all of that done we had to have the um the platform or the portal or whatever you want to refer to it as tweaked from having a spin bike to having a rowing machine. We had to do our glossary of turn. We, you know, we had to do it all. So um, that was fun. Now it seems normal. Then it was all Martian. This was all like alien concepts, yeah. people approaching rowing machines, mass populations of people rowing, approaching rowing machines for the first time with ease. That was an alien concept. Um, you know, people getting data off of the machines to an email on their phone. That was an alien concept. Um, I mean, it was even alien that, you know, rowers live by their data. And so that, that was something that was natural to them. But now we were aggregating the group data and really wrapping ourselves around this communal effort and this communal input. So that was a little, although it's, it's part of the sport, you're only as fast as the slowest person in your boat. Uh, you you needed to bring that to a new population and kind of get them to buy into that concept that we're going to row together and we're going to have group data as well as individual data. 
I love that. What what a hurdle to jump over. I, I can only imagine that we'll have a lot to talk about when we get to kind of the exponential piece of, of this equation with all that you built in those first few studios. But before we get to that, let's talk about the two of you. Not only have you built this incredible brand that's still going and thriving, you're also married <laughs> with three still children. Married. So your partner's in still married. Um, so partners in all of the things. Can you can you share how the two of you met and fell in love before creating Row House? I'd love to hear your love story. Go, Deb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we met in the fitness scene um, in New York City. Uh, yeah, I listen. There were many, many, many years that um, talking about Royal House was like very front and center in our relationship. And I, I think it's kind of what, I, what gave us that um, head start almost, you know? I think it's what made a lot of the franchise owners also, you know, appeal to it. it it's... Oh, it was a wonderful thing for us also to do together, you know, given different bodies and it, it brings the whole multiplier effect and this, that, and the other thing. And so um, certainly our relationship started well before founding Row House. Um, it did get started in the New York City scene kind of around um, teaching, both of us teaching classes at Equinox and having similar interests, liking to travel. We surfed quite a bit together. Um I, I was not the pro surfer, but I like play and <laughs> authenticity. And so I learned that from Eric. Um, hike, travel, those types of things. Um, so we had a core, you know, interest in a lot of, um, in this, those same things like communities, wellness, you know, fitness, experiences. Um, and then when we did Row House together, you know, obviously we, we knew that we liked to do business together, to be together, to spend a lot of time together. To problem um, solve. To problem solve together. But of course, you know, during those years, it was a running joke. Like, can we go out to dinner without talking about Row House ever? Um, so I would say that on the flip side of, you know, what we'll talk about on Expo, but being now stepped away from the day-to-day -day on Row House, uh, our life is much, 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 much fuller with all of the personal stuff again. Yeah. And, um, you know, our family and our children and our friends and things, you know, far beyond uh, just, you know, 24-7 row house, which truly when you're building a brand and a business from scratch, uh, it does become a humongous part of your life. And uh, obviously people need to recognize that that is the truth. Yeah, I think uh, from an analogy perspective, you, you literally give birth to an idea, just like a child, and then the hard work of raising that child and giving them the right nourishment and the right environment and the right amount of sleep and all the things that are required to have a healthy, thriving human being uh, take place in a business. And uh, Deb, Deb was great at working side by side and was endlessly it was it was just always up for getting done whatever needed to get done and so it's uh it's it's good to know who you're in business with before you uh before you go into business or a marriage for that perspective and so we got lots of experience working with each other up front and realized that we were good at problem solving yeah it, you're, a lot of folks co-found something with someone without as much of an intimate knowledge as obviously you would know of a spouse um, and you find out a lot of new things <laughs> about that person, but you were sort of double married in that you were a couple who was married and had a family. And then you also co-founded this business and having also founded a startup with, um, previously with my husband, I, I went through and totally recognized everything you're talking about. We would do the exact same thing, go to dinner and we would set limits, like no work at dinner. Um, for the sake of our marriage <laughs> and for the sake of our friendship. So I totally understand and appreciate that you've come out on the other side. <laughs> right. We, you know, those dinner conversations, we'd probably get five to 10 minutes into dinner without talking about <laughs> yeah. it. And then invariably you'd find yourself on a tangent talking about yeah. exactly what it was, you know, front and center for the rest of the entire day. So it's, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And I, I remember when I first chatted with you, Eric and Deborah, uh, Eric said something really lovely about working with you, Deborah, that the best side of you comes out when you're challenged. Um, any, any other things to add kind of on what you've learned about each other working together? Wow. That's, uh, we could spend hours on, on well, that. Yeah. I mean, Eric, Eric's a real connector. He is kind of a real conversationalist and connects pe with people very deeply. And that was always something that we recognized when we would walk into the studios. I, I'm more of like the floater at the party need to like check in on everything, make sure everyone's doing their things, connect this one to that one, this and that. And he's a little bit more of the conversationalist and like gets deep, makes people feel seen and heard. Um, where, you know, as much as I appreciate re relationships and friendships, that w wasn't really my, um, strong suit in that setting. Right. So we balanced each other really, really well that way. Um, you know, I think that's one thing that people have to think through and work through, especially in that husband and wife team is how do you, um, not step on toes, kind of know your lanes, have expectations of each other that are, you know, useful, productive, feel good. Um, and then also certainly not make other people feel uncomfortable, right? By the fact that you're, you're married um, and make, so make them clear with who to talk to, what about what and why, and, you know, what the whole family dynamic means or doesn't mean um, for the business. You know, there, there is, certainly a point in time where we went from being kind of like the family startup to scaling and um, people who knew us and touched us and knew our families so much and whatever, and were very important to us, you know, we certainly wanted to maintain those relationships and figured out ways to do it. Um, but there's that dynamic too of people recognizing that at some point to scale a company, uh, you know, the family vibe has to maybe shift and morph a little bit too. Um, so all of these things are just kind of sensitivities and observations. I think that we had to work through uh, as a husband and wife team with other people surrounding us and being a part and an extremely, extremely important part of the overall growth of the brands and the business. These the, our initial core team, we never feel gets enough uh, recognition. Like we're always just trying to acknowledge how hard they worked for this and how aligned they were with our vision and the culture um, of, you know, bringing rowing to the masses and all of the benefit that it did and the, the people that we helped that felt like they finally found something uh, that was there for them and that they'd been searching forever for the right thing and finally found it. So um, that's very important to us. And we, always kind of wanted to take, I guess, the uh, stage off of ourselves and put it a little more onto them, which I think, you know, we equally shared that as well. Um, and that was helpful for us to know that really it wasn't about us. It was more about this whole we pulled together community vibe and the camaraderie and having a rewarding experience for everybody. Yeah, that's great. Anything to add, Eric? Oh, uh, there's, there's a, I think the, I, I kind of got a little lost on our, our, our question. I think it was, uh, well, you've learned about each other. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, um, I, I agree with all of it. I think that the, you know, the great instructors starting with a, a culture and finding the right people who bought into that culture was, was paramount to it. But, um, you know, the amazing instructors, the amazing early adopters, the first person who sat in and, and held stroke for us and just all, all those amazing people that you've met or we've met along the way uh, certainly help you maintain your humility and realize that you couldn't have done any of this without them. Uh, so um, I, I think that it, every, every part of it and every day there's been something to take, take away from an education perspective. It's, uh, it's hard to sit back and say it was one thing that jumps out more than another, but you're truly only as strong as your weakest link. And so we've been surrounded by strong people and great people who've worked just as hard as we have, uh, maybe not as long, maybe not as, uh, as deeply, but have done what they could do to the best of their abilities and have created an environment and a culture that I think is going to live on.
I love that. And that's actually a great transition to my next question about community, which has come up a ton in this conversation and in the last time uh, we talked. Let, let's talk about how you saw real community grow in those early studios. What, what is the magic? What, what goes into creating community at Row House? Well, I think, you know, from, if you're going to get people to row together, there's a trust factor that comes into play. So I think when you, uh, you're able to create trust and, and be consistent, then people are a lot more inclined to buy into what your vision is and to what you're asking them to do. So uh, creating, creating a culture of values and, and having stakes in the ground of things that needed to happen. Deborah was insistent that we figure out uh, what is so obvious now, but not particularly obvious previously, is how to road to the beat of the music and and get people to buy into that because everyone kept telling us it can't be done because music's on a different beat and stroke rates are going to change and there's no way to make this happen. Uh, but Deborah's insistence that that needed to happen for this to get people to buy in uh, was was pretty pretty uh, amazing and insightful. And you know, and I think that there was um, there there were a lot of the founding principles around. You know, mind mind in the boat is this idea of only think about the thing that you're doing, not nothing else, not the stroke that you missed or the getting off beat, but thinking about being on beat and having a mindfulness about how you're pursuing this and breathing together and pulling together and working together. The the core values of what what we were establishing were things that were all communal based. And, you know, we were able to draw from some of the best parts of CrossFit, which was, you know, leaving no man behind. Uh, it was always my favorite experience in CrossFit was when the team would rally around the one person who was struggling to finish their workout and kind of goad them across the finish line with a lot of support. And those were always very uh, powerful, emotional move, uh, moments in, in my CrossFit experience. And then to have that everyone working together and People overcoming their own limitations or their uh, their what they perceive to be their own limitations in Row House uh, were were always kind of an amazing moment where someone would come in with cerebral palsy, someone would come in who is an amputee, someone would come in with whatever their challenge was for that day. Maybe they were overweight and haven't worked out in 20 years or ever worked out for that matter, and entrusted us to get them through the workout and in an environment that was safe and uh, and powerful, um, all those things kind of build on the experience to, you know, inclusion and community and emotionally being available and understanding why people are there and helping them accommodate and uh, accomplish their goals as much as the overall goal of, of, of getting through the workout. Um, so build, building community was really just a matter of the core principles and then finding the right people to buy into those core principles, the right instructors and the right, uh, the, the right uh, music and environment to just kind of thrive and, and just keep it moving. Yeah, and I even think the way you chose to use data and tech too, obviously we've chatted about this plays into that as well, like creating a, a whole boat. The class is one boat. Um, being on a team is is really powerful and something that not a lot of adults get to experience. And, and last time we talked, I don't remember if it was Eric or Deborah, but one of you said you get to learn a lot about someone in a high stress situation too. And exercise is stress, right? Yeah, it's the best kind of stress. I think the... Uh... You know, the, your true emotions come out very quickly and your core values come out very quickly uh, when, you, when you work out together. You can really get in a lot of insight into whether or not someone's trying really hard and really putting their best effort forward or needs some encouragement or some support to, to get one more rep out or one more stroke out. Um, it's, it's incredibly powerful. And I think if you can see that lens, see it through that lens, um, it, it's, it's inspiring to say the least. Yeah. And speaking of community now we'll hear from an sweat life ambassador who loves row house and wants to tell us all about why. Hi. 
Hi, this is Edith Rodriguez and I'm a Sweat Life Ambassador. I've been going to Row House since July of 2019. I'm actually one of the first uh, members of Row House. And I love Row House because it is very different. It seems like a very easy workout, but in reality, it is very challenging. It has helped me improve my running. And needless to say, with age, uh, you know, back fat builds a little bit easier. And ironically, it has helped me tame it a little bit better. Uh, it has built a lot of strength in my legs, my glutes, uh, because I am primarily a runner. So uh, that's what I love about the workout. There are so many varieties and special classes that there's never a dull moment and the classes are always different and they vary from coach to coach. I also love the people. They are very dedicated. The coaches are wonderful and you are always greeted with a smile at Row House. I uh, also uh, want to add that Row House really helped me get through the pandemic. We all know what we've been through with uh, staying at home and somehow they managed to work well with all of us when they started reopening and they also were very adamant about keeping safety protocols in place. We didn't have to remove our masks until uh, just recently. They kept it through even uh, beyond many other studios and I respect that a lot because they really just wanted to watch out for everyone's safety. Uh, so it's a great workout. You have the, the best coaches and support and the personalities are just there. The music is awesome. And it's a different kind of workout that many people don't get to experience. And we're back. So after building Row House for four-ish years, so opened your doors in 2014, your brand was acquired by Exponential Fitness. That doesn't just happen in a day, right? What did it take for you to get there? Um, that's a great question. Well, listen, we were self-funded for a very long time. Um, we opened additional studios off of kind of an, an original um, investment that we made in our first CrossFit location uh, under the brand EVF Performance, Eric's brand, Eric's initials. And so we were very diligent on, you know, spending our own money and letting that grow, putting a little bit more in if we needed to, to continue to do additional studios. Um, but, you know, we, we certainly recognized that if we wanted to pioneer the space as that was our ultimate goal and vision, be the household name, that we needed to bring in an investment partner at some point in some sort. So the ultimate question became, in what way? Um, when I said that we self-funded, I truly mean that we self-funded. That was just our money, the two of our it was not friends and family money. There was zero investors. Um, you know, that's another thing probably that we learned along the way was that we could trust each other uh, with how to choose to manage our money. Um, but anyway, so we knew that we would have to pick a, a partner. Well, we did not take that idea lightly. We had seen other people get some money in this space and we kind of saw some of those deals play out over the course of time while we were self-funded or bootstrapped, if you want to call it. And at first it would be like, oh, wow, wouldn't it be great to get that big check from, you know, that guy that owns an island. And then next thing you know, the big check from the guy that owns island with the concept that didn't really make all that much sense um, ends up, you know, not being around anymore. That concept goes south. So we uh, wanted to make sure that we picked our partner really, really well, that we knew that we would be aligned and what the vision was um, and that we did it, you know, kind of with our eyes wide open and considered real deals, real deals and didn't chase shiny objects. That was one really big key. 
Um, so Expo obviously was way smaller at the time. Um, 2017 was really the time, the, the entire year that we shopped, vetted, and closed the deal. It started at the very beginning of 2017 with just kind of a quick call to Mark Grabowski on um, some to check in on some things. We had had a couple of different relationships with the big groups that were investing in the space at the time, and that was TPG and Catterton, uh, Northcastle, and many others, a lot of others. And so we were pretty much out there looking for the right investment opportunity and had a couple of different deals lined up in the end. Um, we truly had real deals lined up with three different people, one of them being going franchise with Anthony and ultimately felt that, that was the deal that brought us the vision that we mostly wanted to um, see. And so with that, it made a lot of sense to move forward. But yes, it took time to truly vet out. It took time to get to know Anthony, time to get to know the platform, time to really truly understand what the deal structure would be, time to do some internal searching, you know, to determine if where we wanted to go, what the balance we wanted for ourselves would be, um, how that would mesh with what this deal would look like moving forward. Um, this deal also kind of was one that brought us out of New York City a little bit, which was a family lifestyle choice that we were intrigued by. Having both grown up in the New York area, we started spending some time in Irvine where the Exponential um, headquarters is and, and our, our family is now headquartered there partially because of what happened during the pandemic, but partially because we were able to experience that being bi-coastal with Expo for a little bit. So lots of personal decisions, business decisions, financial decisions, day-to-day uh, -day workflow decisions, reputation decisions, all sorts of things really ultimately went into deciding to go forward with Exponential. But um, it, as we've seen it play out, the growth for Row House was exactly what we really had hoped it would be. I love that. And and so the day you get the deal, you've gone through all this work for a year, um, finding the right deal, you, you sign on the dotted line. Um, what do you, what did that feel like for you? A well, celebration? <laughs> a, a celebration in one, one way. I, I kind of felt like, uh, I think Anthony certainly has said it, and I, I think I've, I've echoed the statement that you're taking this child that you've given birth to and you're handing it over to someone else to raise. And that's a, uh, an incredible, uh, difficult and challenging responsibility to hand over because it, of the countless hours and efforts that have gone into creating what you create and then being able to step back and trust that that's going to, that, uh, that partnership is going to be true to that mission and that vision that you've, that you've come up with. Yeah. And, and today, um, now with that exponential partnership, you can go to a lot of cities and, and pop into a row house. Do you find yourself doing that? Yeah, we were at our, uh, we were up in San Jose uh, for the Junior Olympics in water polo for our son. And we were in the neighborhood of a couple studios. And so we were able to pop in and that, that was amazing and great and wonderful. And we got to meet, uh, some some new people that we have in new instructors that have just come on board and we're teaching their some of their first classes and and just kind of see that vision play out years later and it's the culture is exactly what we created and felt very very familiar with and very very uh welcomed at uh just like we did you know back when we started in 2014 i love that Eric, Deborah, I could talk to you all day. Um, I want to, but I know we, we both, I guess, have to do other things. Uh, so as we close out this interview, I always like to ask founders for a piece of advice for newbies to their concept. So tell me, what advice or guidance would you share with someone who is brand new to Row House to make their first experience the most enjoyable? So I would say just do not overthink it. Do not go get in shape to then come to Row House <laughs> either, right? We've seen it all. Listen, 
People just, you know, need to recognize that you're as good as you are on any given day. So just come in, show up and have a good time. And that's where we want to meet you at. We don't want to meet you at some special place on your best day. It doesn't really matter. Um, that's how I feel about newcomers for Row House or really for anywhere. You know, at the end of the day, the fitness industry is really about mental health. It's about physical health. And, you know, it's about having you there. It literally makes us happy on the inside of the studio experience, like to have other people be a part of it. Like we need to see you to be able to do our jobs well. And it's actually really meaningful when we help people a lot, when we get people started. It's really, really meaningful. It's a really, really big give back uh, to the people who work in the industry. So I would say just show up and enjoy yourself and that's what I would tell a newcomer coming to class. Yeah, I completely agree. It's, uh, you, your presence means the world to us. It means the world to your instructor. It means the world to your friends that are in class. And the only way you can start those relationships is by showing up the first time and just get your body moving. Magic happens when you, when you move. And uh, I think that it's an incredible environment that will keep you coming back, but you, you need to walk in the front door to, uh, to get that process going. I love that. Very simple advice, but also so powerful. Um, thank you, Eric. Thank you, Deborah, for joining me today on We Got Gold. Thank you. Great podcast and so appreciate you having us on. Same here. Thank you again. This has been another episode of We Got Goals, which is another thing that's better with friends and is in a sweat life production. Thanks to Deborah Strugo and Eric Von Froelich for joining me. And remember, if you want to try Row House for yourself, you can take advantage of the first free class by downloading the Row House app and clicking Try a Class. Or you can go to the link in our show notes. Another big thanks to Ryan Deffitt for editing, Ryan Barayuga for video production, and to you, our listeners, for subscribing and listening wherever you get your podcasts.